Hello, it's Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. Each week we have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. In this episode, Birmingham attorney Todd Miner stops by and shares with us the current state of Alabama law dealing with the landlord-tenant issues, evictions, and anything related to those types of laws and situations. During the pandemic, certain laws have been passed that are new and others that are on the horizon. Todd takes us through the different scenarios and really informs people who are in those situations. We think you'll really enjoy the Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. All right, guys, I want to welcome everybody to another weekly episode of Nomberg Law Live. As we've done the last couple of years, uh, each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, we come to you with informative topics and conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And I'm so pleased to have Birmingham area attorney Todd Miner with us this morning. Good morning, Todd. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. It's my, my pleasure. And, and Todd, uh, tell us, before we jump into today's topic, tell us a little bit about your law firm and your practice, and then we'll get after it. Okay. Well, the, my, my law firm is the law office of J. Todd Miner. Uh, we celebrated our two-year anniversary back in June. Congratulations. Um, awesome. I practice with a firm here in town for uh, about 14, 15 years before jumping out on my own. Uh, and of course, I think, and we'll talk about some of this today, is the, the first um, several months of that practice was a whole lot different from what's been going on since about mid-March. You think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do primarily landlord-tenant law and the representation of landlords. I do a lot of evictions um, uh, and, uh, and some other advisory type stuff. I also do some litigation and centers around um, what in Alabama is a little bit different ejectments uh, uh, and foreclosure work and, and that type thing. And, and then I do some general litigation, um, but a lot of it would apply to real estate and, and, and that type, those type matters. And, and that's what we're going to get into today, Todd. It's we're, we're now, what are we entering the fifth, almost sixth month of the pandemic. And, and as we've all have now learned and realized, everything is so fluid right now what what was is not what what we think may not you never you never know and week to week or even day to day things seem to change from a legal standpoint on so many areas and one such area that impacts not quite a third of the population of our country is dealing with rental agreements landlords and tenants and i read a statistic that over 108 million people rent homes and apartments in our country. And if you would, Todd, what was put into place dealing with the CARES Act to help people kind of ease a little bit of the burdens for those who may have lost their jobs and things like that uh, from a financial standpoint when it deals with landlord tenants and, and evictions and so forth? 
Okay, and and this may sound like uh, a usual lawyer thing where I'm going to give you, you know, the the disclaimer. But uh, one of the great examples is I was talking to a prospective new client yesterday um, who owns some properties and is looking for some representation and in, 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 in eviction type representation. And when I say evictions, I may get a ton of evictions referred to me. Uh, and what I like about it is that more often than not, I am working out a pay to stay agreement, if you will. In other words, um, I, lots more people are staying in their properties than, than they are being put out on the street. Um, uh, but uh, there is a point at which the landlord needs to, you know, um, enforce their rights and, 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 and get everything brought to brought current. Um, and when I told them, you know, I'm going to explain to you, they, they weren't all that familiar. They'd been, they were pretty new to the game and, and they, and they wanted to kind of know what, what they were dealing with in this type of law. And I said, well, let me tell you what it is generally. And then let me tell you what we're talking about right now. And, and I think I mentioned this to you before, Bernard, is right now you're in this and, and, and every it's, it's not, and it's not just my complaint. It's everybody's situation in any type of law, but especially in this area, it changes day to day. Mm-hmm. And I say, I've got a lot of experience here. Um, I can tell you what it, we're talking about today. Tomorrow I may tell you something totally different. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the type of protections that tenants have had since this, it's really, it's not just federal, it's state. And then we can talk about kind of how that affects it. It's re- it really depends on the type of situation you're in, the type of lease you have, mm-hmm. and, and then specifically how the property is addressed. So if we go back to the CARES Act that was enacted back in the spring, um, part of that what it did provide some protection uh, for tenants uh, and, and provided, you know, we've all, we're all used to the term now, eviction moratorium mm-hmm. uh, and prevented evictions of certain tenants in certain properties. Uh, so um, the first thing I do is look at it from a landlord's perspective and, and, and want to be able to advise my landlord client, um, are you affected by this act? Uh, and it didn't affect, it did not affect everybody and it didn't apply to everybody. The way that the federal government um, was able to reach certain properties is that we're talking about federally related mortgages. Well, what is that? Okay, so I and, and generally my clients own rental properties, rental homes, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to apartment complexes. Just the way my representation goes, I, I certainly do represent some folks with apartments, but most of what I do, just based on where my clients fall, are rental homes across the area. Okay, so um, sometimes they have what's called Section Eight vouchers, which is when where the government is providing funding. Uh, or at least a portion of the rent, those hands down, it's easy to tell those are, you don't, you you cannot, you could not proceed under the CARES Act during that period of time with a new eviction, um, meaning a new filing. If I had already filed an unlawful detainer action um, here, March the 1st, it did not apply under the CARES Act. So if it predated the act, you could still go forward. That's correct. But as of whenever the act was signed, what, in, in mid-March, um, that was all frozen, so to speak. That's right. It could, you could not have a new filing. And, okay. and Todd, did, that, did the CARES Act provision, the time period for the moratorium, did that recently expire? It did. It expired on uh, July the 25th. The, the eviction moratorium was done. 
Uh, and, and the way that that, that provision in the CARES Act, it, it, that once it expired, then you weren't back to normal. Uh, you, you had to then, normally what we do before an eviction is, you, is the landlord has to give a seven-day notice, seven business days to cure the fault. Well, essentially what that act, and it's applying to states across the country that may have different periods of time as opposed to Alabama, but um, it provided that after that, you had to give a 30-day notice, which we're in the middle of, before proceeding with new evictions, um, uh, you know, on those care acts properties. Um, the, and, and just real quick, the other ones, and it's real interesting how it reaches out and grabs, um, if you have, your tenant may not have any voucher or any kind of uh, uh, connection to federal law, but let's say you're the landlord, you own the property and you have a mortgage that is federally backed, you're covered under the CARES Act. So if you've got an FHA, a VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, those kind of loans, that pulls you into that. I have one client who sends a great deal of business. Half of their half of their properties are affected by the CARES Act and half of them aren't. Then you had some state laws that affected it. Those are all, I mean, and mainly evictions weren't stopped. We were affected by the ability of having live hearings. Um, um, but the, the one thing that affected us for a little bit was the governor had a, a, an order, a proclamation out there that would prevent law enforcement from ac actually completing the eviction at the end. Well, Todd, we're, this is August 11th. I know that the president this past weekend signed some executive orders, some of which may or may not have uh, addressed the, our topic for today. What if, if I'm a, a tenant and I'm drawing unemployment and I know that in the past, um, the pandemic related unemployment under the CARES Act added another $600 a week, but that's now expired. And then there's the talk that the president had signed a new one that's only going to provide 400, but the states have to apply, have to pay for part of this. It's all so confusing. But if I'm a tenant, but I don't have my job and I can't pay my rent right now, what am I in, in potentially going to be impacted? How, how is that where we are today? What's my situation? Okay, and, and, it, and it is very interesting that you mentioned the, the executive orders. Um, and I can't speak all that intelligently about all of them and their effects, but one of the one of them, um, the way the, I remember reading a, a news report right after they were entering, well, the president has extended the eviction moratorium to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, read a little bit more into that. And apparently, uh, and, and everybody has a differing opinion, but what he did was he suggested to the appropriate um, um, federal agencies that they should look into whether or not that was appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, now, we're also, it's also possible that Congress could come up with an agreement soon um, uh, that, that might extend the CARES Act across the board. And part of that would be an eviction moratorium. But if you're a tenant out there, you, you, you need to stay in, and, and this is before what's, what's always been important. And especially now is stay in touch with your landlord. Uh, landlords don't want empty properties, but they also don't want full properties that are, they're not being compensated for. Um, now, one thing that has worried me throughout this is I understand that there's both sides and there's different ends of the, of the spectrum. Um, I have clients that are worried about, um, you know, their own losses 
uh, as far as properties go, but tenants, my, my clients have approached throughout this period of time and, and tried to stay in touch with tenants about not only are you affected by, by the, by the disease, but has the pandemic and, and, the, and the shutdown and, and unemployment affected you throughout that period. I have seen some tenants uh, getting advice um, from, you know, consumer groups and that type of thing. And it's and a lot of it's good advice, but one thing that's worried me has been, you know, look, don't be pressured by your landlord um, during this period of time. Don't be pressured to use your stimulus money on rent and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. The one thing I can tell you is that once this is over or whatever period of time that an eviction is, is capable, there is a balance of rent that's due at the end of that period. So well, that's what I was just getting ready to ask you. Um, as a tenant, I don't want to put my head in the sand and just assume, oh, I'm protected this month and next month and maybe even the next month from not having to pay rent. That doesn't mean that the obligation goes away. Exactly. It's just pushing it further uh, down the road, so to speak. But Todd, here, here's the difference. And this is where I think attorneys who handle these types of cases are going to be incredibly busy very soon is when the CARES Act went into place when the pandemic began back in March, we didn't have 10 plus percent unemployment across the country like we do now. So I'm asking you to pull out your crystal ball and, and kind of predict later this year or even early next year and I don't know when those jobs are going to be coming back. How are people going to handle this from a pick both sides of it? How, if I'm a tenant, how am I handling this? Am I going to find myself homeless? What am I doing? Well, I really wish I had a crystal ball, Bernard. And in fact, I feel like I'm dealing more with a Ouija board these days. Yeah. I need to try to predict, but you know, and I, and if I've heard, uh, you know, I'm probably the least sympathetic person affected by, uh, you know, the pandemic. I'm a, I'm an eviction lawyer who can't do a lot of evictions. I don't. And I've also heard, man, you're going to be killing it. You're going to be busy when all of this is over. Well, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, and, and, and just like my clients don't want a ton of empty properties. And then they're trying to lease them to the folks who are still in that, uh, in that same situation. And I can tell you that my clients, most of them have been worked. Well, all of them have been working since the beginning to offer, ways to stay in these properties. And that's why I say that the communication it, with the landlord is the best. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I have the same worries at the end of all this. Um, even if you let, you know, uh, landlords, property owners, um, start eviction, start ejectments, uh, get back to full foreclosure ability, that kind of thing. Um, you're still going to be in a position where you're putting a lot of folks out Mm -hmm. um, um, and, and I haven't really figured out the right answer because, um, it, it's, uh, uh, I, that's why I think as far as communicating, doing what you can, clients are offering payment plans, they're offering forgiveness, they're offering those kind of things, or at least they have been. Um, so if you've got a legitimate, um, um, circumstance that prevents you from, um, uh, you know, from addressing the rent that's due every month, yeah. you know, go ahead and address that as quickly as possible with your landlord. Well, let's, let's now let's flip it a little bit, Todd, and let's talk about the landlord's responsibilities. 
and, and what the landlord may be facing. Um, you've talked about why communication is so important and not putting your head in the sand because your obligations are not going to go away. But if I'm now the landlord and let's say I don't have one of those federally backed mortgages and I'm starting to really feel the pinch here, what am I doing as a landlord to make sure that I don't lose my property because of my tenants not being able to pay? Well, and, and keep in mind that just when you're a, when you're a landlord and you're looking at your, your rent roll and you're looking at your, your tenant list, there are, there are different, just like in, in any part of the law, there are different circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, so some folks are really hurt. Some folks are, I hate to say it, but I, I know, I mean, some folks are taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. That kind of thing. So you have to look at that. And while you're looking at um, fair treatment, fair housing and, and fair treatment across the board, you have to anticipate. Uh, and I can tell you, and sometimes it's even been a little frustrating on my end that my clients are taking a very reserved approach. They're not jumping right out at the end of the moratorium or at the, as this thing and, 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 and just jumping after folks. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of taking on a case by case basis. Um, most of my referrals um, that I'm getting right now are based on folks who have unfortunately are, are very behind mm -hmm. and have not addressed and have not communicated and that kind of thing. Um, and as far as, I mean, unfortunately, folks are making cutbacks just like any other business. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm dealing with con with one contact at an office that used to have three or four, you know, those kind of things. But as far as how they're getting ready for the future, um, I think we're all taking it day by day. Um, I think they're looking at a CARES Act, an unemployment, you know, those kind of benefits that are going to help folks um, just as closely as tennis are. I mean, I think we're all trying to figure out how we're going to make, make it through this. And, um, um, you know, it's, I think every day I hear something different as far as how, how we're getting ready for the future and how long out the future is. Yeah. And it's guys, if you're just joining us or if you catch us later on in, in our replay, I'm talking with Birmingham attorney, Todd Miner. We're talking about landlord tenant issues evictions and, and how both sides of the equation are having to deal with uh, troubled times right now. Now there's no, uh, Todd, we don't have any uh, easy answers here. We're trying to, we're trying to figure out some, some best strategies. And one of the, probably the most solid one that you mentioned very early on was remaining in communication. If I'm a tenant, I want to stay in communication with my landlord. Hopefully there's a good relationship there that predates the pandemic, but it's inevitable with emotions running high. Sometimes it's hard because you feel that financial pressure. You're not able to, to provide for your family because you've lost your job or you're not able to maintain that same lifestyle because the money is just not there right now and everybody gets impacted. Todd, let's, let's take worst case scenario. I haven't paid my rent in almost nine months. I don't have a job. I don't have any uh, stimulus money coming in right now. And the landlord just has to do something. What, what is a landlord? What are the steps? I guess I would say from a state court standpoint, having to do. Okay. So if I get a, if I get a matter referred to me, 
uh, and then, and we, you know, we use the term eviction. The the legal claim that we actually file here is an unlawful detainer. Mm-hmm. And then I, so um, the landlord will fo- will post a, a notice um, at, at the property. They'll attempt to serve it and then post it and then mail it. And it essentially gives the tenant seven business days uh, to cure that default. And all they can ask for is rent and late fees. And then on the eighth day is the earliest time at which they can send it to me. And then I can file the unlawful detainer. It's in, in, the, in the language of it that's statute. Statutory, statutorily uh, prescribed is, um, you know, that the lease is terminated after seven days if the cure is, if the um, default is not cured. So then I file an unlawful detainer and then uh, that's where we stop talking about business days and the client and then the tenant has seven calendar days to respond to that complaint um, uh, with the court. Let me pause uh, you right there, Todd, and ask you a couple yeah. of follow-ups. When the tenant sends that letter, that initial post, that initial uh, letter to the uh, the tenant from the landlord, asking or demanding that the rent be paid, are they asking for all of the rent that's owed going back in our example here, the nine months, or just a certain portion of that to catch up, so to speak? Well, and and. Um uh, yes, under your scenario, I hadn't seen one nine months in a good long time. <laughs> but yes, the law would require that. Actually, the statute would be that I mean, you pretty much got to ask what you're owed, and then you got to get that um, you got to get that default cured. Now, mm-hmm. if, if you're a tenant and you get served one of those, the first thing you need to do is contact your landlord mm-hmm. um, and say, "I'm planning on curing that default, or I can't uh, cure it." Uh, um, and, and, you know, and go ahead and try to communicate with them. There, there's other options other than eviction. Now, uh, unfortunately, the, the landlord, and especially under your case, if we're talking about nine months, yeah. um, I mean, that's a good bit of rent for, you know, particularly if you're talking about some individual landlords that own the property, and then they've got their own bills to pay that they're not getting help from the government. And, I, and I assume landlords aren't going to wait, you know, the nine months. That's yes, an extraordinary yes. amount. But under that situation, yeah. So, yeah. so, um, I mean, I'm even thinking about, and that that the problem is, and I know this is the response, but um, you got a lot of concerns. Um, I understand that you're telling me that you can't stay in, in my property. So how am I going to go into a new property? And it's a tough decision, but the landlord may reach a point where they say, I'm about to lose this property if I don't do something about it. Um, but at that time, you know, if you don't cure it at that point, then I can file the unlawful detainer. You have a right to file a response, either, um, as we say, pro se on your own or through an attorney. Um, and, and you do that by going down to the clerk's office. The clerk's office is open now. Um, and you, and you go that, in, and, in our example, let's say our property's in Jefferson County. Is that the Jefferson County courthouse? That's correct. And is it, um, what level is it? Is it district court where there's just a judge or is it on the circuit court level with potentially a jury? It starts out every unlawful detainer, whether you're talking about some, uh, an individual paying $700 a month or a, Corporation paying seventy thousand dollars a month. They have they, they start in district court under the under the statute. So yeah, you go down to the and, and, and of course in Jefferson County it's all in one place, dirt district and civil. You just go to the district side and they and they're very helpful and they'll explain it to you. You don't have to file a response if you don't. I would file it for a default. 
Um, but if you do file a response, you'll get set for a trial. We are not doing live trials as of right now, and I'm not exactly certain how they're going to approach that, but a lot of judges are doing Zoom hearings where there's not an objection. I do not know what to advise you if there's an objection at this point. Well, that's point. what I was going to say with that. <laughs> because we have an order from the Jefferson County presiding judge French that there's no in-person, unless it's an emergency, uh, jury trials. And I assume that also applies to in-person district court trials, I think till the middle of next month. And, and to be honest with you, I know that the ju the jury trials are September the 15th. Right. I had in my mind that the, that the non-juries were August the 15th, but that may have been extended. It's a moving no, I think target. I think you're right about that, which was, which would be the end of this week. But realistically, it kind of just it throws a wrench into everything. Because let's say I want to contest this in our scenario. I, I don't think that the, my, my landlord is correct. I've got stuff I need to get off my chest to be able to tell the judge of what's going on. Uh, and I want to I want a trial. So what does that do to the landlord at this point? Um, I guess pushing forward, you got to hope that your your judge will allow for a trial to go forward in, in some capacity. That's correct. That's correct. And I will tell you, like, for instance, if you uh, to describe my area of operation <laughs> as far as practice, um, you have uh, Jefferson, which is, of course, two divisions, Bessemer and Birmingham. And then I do a lot in Shelby and I do a lot in St. Clair and those other two counties, St. Clair and, and Shelby are, are at varying degrees, but they're both doing live court and live hearing. So, so if anyone's listening in those jurisdictions or any other out, um, uh, they are conducting those type of hearings, but, um, but yeah, it's and, and, and the best answer, Bernard, and, and what I'm telling everybody is I'll tell you tomorrow <laughs> when I figure it out. But I mean, really, it's it's I've had Zoom hearings. I've had live hearings. Um, but in Jefferson County, still waiting on kind of seeing how that's going to go, you know, in the future. Wow. But the courts are doing everything they can to handle and, and uh, these matters and give everybody a chance to be represented and and. We, we will see as that, as that time frame moves on. And guys, I'm talking with attorney Todd Miner. We're talking landlord and tenant disputes, evictions, and the current state of the ever-changing law. And if you have questions that you want to have Todd answer while we're talking, just throw them in the comments section. Or if you want to ask Todd later on, Todd, how can folks get in touch with you if they potentially have a case for you? Well, uh, you can, um, uh, you can reach me at uh, Todd, T-O-D-D, -D, at minor, M-I-N-E-R, law.net. Um, and uh, my direct dial is, is in my, well, my office number is 205-259-7000. Okay. And we'll make sure we put all that contact information in the comments section before we get out of here. Todd, I appreciate so far, and we're getting close to the end of our, our conversation. There's There's so many... Um, there's just so many scenarios. There's so many things to, to discuss here, but for the folks who do the type of work that you do and, and, and with your experience handling lots of tenant related work, are you seeing that the tenants are in the, and their, uh, landlords, are they working together or are you seeing an escalation of problems on the rise? 
You know, I'm, I'm actually, and, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of folks working together. Now, that's not to say I don't have some files still on my desk, mm-hmm. but just to describe one, one of my concerns when we talked about the process, whether it be through a default or a trial, you end up getting a judgment for possession. These are legal term bifurcated. You worry about the money after you get possession. And so then after you get the judgment, you fall, you file what's called a riff for possession. And then it turned, it's turned over to the sheriff to actually complete the eviction. So when this process started, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to be sitting around. I got all these files sitting over there. And it's, a, it was really amazing. The, the, the way that these things were worked out either between the landlord or tenant or the tenant found a new place to live during that period of time. I didn't think that was going to happen during this. Mm-hmm. And it has, I think folks are either realizing they need to get in a new place or find a better situation for them. Uh, and, and then starting in March, I was making offers on, um, on deals that, that, that folks, that landlords were offering. They have, and, 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 I, and I'll tell you, some of it is, is to make sure that we are showing, that we're making every effort <laughs> when we do have to proceed on this type of thing. But a lot, but most of it is to keep tenants in the property. I have seen them working together and I think you'll continue to see that just, I mean, when you talk about what I don't have a real good answer for is what are we going to do um, with a lot of folks unable to perform, but a lot of folks um, really needing to, <laughs> to get an income stream from the landlord. Uh, well, I've got one question that just came in. How can a landlord protect themselves in the situation where a tenant has just up and left? They're gone. And the rent is due. They're overdue. Eviction proceedings are are starting. What happens? Well, if the tenant's gone, um, and there's, and, and, and I always like to say, it, you know, we'll call that occupied. Is the property not occupied? Has it been abandoned? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't bore you with all the legal steps, but I mean, there's certain factors that I look at. Are, but if you, and, and, and feel free to, to talk to an attorney to give you a little bit of advice on that. But um, if they're actually out, the best thing to do is to secure that property and try to relet it and get somebody with a new income string out. If you're talking about the collection uh, of the rent that's due way back, uh, you know, then you'd want to proceed um, with a collection suit in district or small claims court, depending on what the balance is, uh, and then try to track them down if they are gainfully employed and, it, you know, that type of thing. But as far as the protection of the landlord, what you're going to want to do is you want to confirm they're gone. If there's any question that may have left some property, there are some steps that you can take. The only thing that's the statute talks about, you know, if, if they've been gone for a certain amount of days, more than 14 days, if you can prove that. And then the law talks about if the power has been disconnected um, more than seven days, then that's that's almost kind of like that's a that's a prima facie law, uh, you know, of uh, or at least it, it's, it, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but it can be very confusing in some cases. The yeah. power is still rocking along, and especially in this, where the power, where they're not disconnecting as quickly, you know, and those type things. Um, but it's, and I can tell you, and that's another great. If you've got, if you've got a number of properties, or even one property, keep an eye on that property, or have some. If you're not local, you've got a management company. Make sure they're doing it. Keep an eye on it. Is the grass getting high? Is what's going on at at your property? That's the best way to protect, and and then you know whether or not somebody's there. Uh, in some areas, uh, your tenant 
left and somebody thought it would be great to move on in. I mean, you know, there, there are things you need to realize what's going on within the four corners of your, yeah. of your rental property. Well, Todd, I got a couple more quick scenarios okay. to throw by you before we get out of here. Let's say that I'm, I own some properties and my, my uh, property manager calls me up and says that the Smiths have moved out. They're gone, but they've left all their stuff in the, the apartment. I, their phone number is not working. I have no idea where they are. What do we do with the stuff that gets left in the place? Well, dispose of it. Um, but make sure that you're covering the, 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 the statutory requirements. And it's, if, if you can feel comfortable in talking with your management company and or your attorney uh, that they're gone, that you have the evidence to show that um, uh, and, and, and powers off or maybe not, but you have other, you know, they, if they left everything, you got to scratch your head and say, well, did they leave? <laughs> you yeah. know, you want to make sure, but if you check off all those boxes and put as much, um, evidence out, you know, gather as much evidence as you can and you feel comfortable with saying these folks are gone, then, then it's pretty clear. I believe it's 14 days under the statute that says you don't have a duty after that. Mm -hmm. um, now you, you may decide there's enough question that you want to go ahead and go through the eviction, get yourself an or get yourself an order on an unlawful detainer awarding you possession and then take those steps. But it's really just, it's a case by case basis. I guess um, I love to say, take pictures, 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 send them to me. Um, you know, the old and up one man's trash is another man's treasure. I was going to say, Todd, doesn't a court order give the landlord the most protections? Exactly. But and once you get that order, you, you may not want to sit around for the for the writ to be right. uh, enforced or executed. So um, you um, but a court order is, is very helpful. If you get that possession order, then you've got the right to do whatever. But Todd, we've got another question here. Are you working with many tenants in bankruptcy right now? Oddly enough, um, and, and so, um, and as one of your new attorneys can attest, um, <laughs> my experience in bankruptcy is essentially going over there to get what's called relief from stay. Mm -hmm. um, if they file bankruptcy, that doesn't necessarily mean they get to stay in the property. Um, and we won't, I don't know if you want to go into in depth that, but I am, not, I, I, that is something that is on my radar. Um, uh, one of the first, I have a checklist of things that I check into when I get a new file. And one of them has, is the, has the tenant, mm -hmm. uh, file bankruptcy. And unlike any other, um, area that I might practice in generally in, in collections, credit cards, those kind of things, the client's going to know before I know that they file bankruptcy. But in a lot of cases, tenants will file, they're fine and they're current with, the landlord, they don't want to move out of their apartment, but they want to, but, and they may not even advise their bankruptcy attorney mm -hmm. and they, and they don't list their, um, uh, the fact that they're in uh, chapter seven or chapter 13. Uh, and we figure that out. And then we know we have to go get relief from stay in the bankruptcy court before we even get over to the state courthouse. Um, but I can tell you that I am not seeing like a, a jump to the courthouse uh, on the bankruptcy. But like you said, um, a lot of folks were, were getting benefits and uh, that, that they are going to start not getting unless something changes. So I, that is on my radar to see if that's going to if that's going to be a problem. You know, maybe you and I have this conversation again in 90 days and let's see how, <laughs> how different the world is and how different your your practice has become. That's right. I'd be glad to. 
Well, guys, I've, I've been chatting with some just some real excellent information from local attorney Todd Miner. We're talking about landlord tenant disputes and evictions and and protections for for both sides. But the the underlying tone here I'm hearing from you, Todd, is communication like any relationship in life. That's the key between landlord and and their tenants. Uh, again, Todd, how can folks reach out to you if they uh, they have questions about all of this? Hi, you can reach me directly at Todd, T-O-D-D, at Minor, that's M-A-N-E-R, law, L-A-W dot net. And my phone number is 205-259-7000. T-O-D-D at minorlaw.net. I just posted that. Uh, Todd, again, thank you for all of your your expertise and your your experience sharing all of this. I know it's it's unsettling times in, in the world, and more particularly in in the practice of law. Uh, and I know that these are very emotional topics for lots of people, not just the people living in the the house or the apartment, but those who own the properties or renting uh, have mortgages on these properties. So thank you for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me, and I'd be glad to come back or answer any questions anybody's got. It's uh, well, we, I may take you back up on this in October, <laughs> November. But, but guys, as we do each week, uh, Nomberg Law Live at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, we try to bring interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise, and Todd certainly was that today. Hope you guys have a safe week, and we will catch you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks, everybody.